Ladies and gentlemen, we've arrived at the final episode of Butterfly. Today we're discussing a trip to Boston, a broken family, and the hope of redemption here on our final coverage of Hulu's Butterfly. We're talking about all that and more here, so stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz such a beautiful song. Yes. I remember, I think the first time I really got into Dear Evan Hansen was when they did the whole amazing Thanksgiving Day Parade like two years ago. Yeah. Cried. I still need Utter to see tears. it, guys. It's so, so I just saw it in Costa Mesa in January. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I've got to put that on my urgent to-do list. It's really good. <laughs> my wife message. saw it on Broadway with Ben Platt and was like, mm. you have to see this show. So we're talking about Dear Evan Hansen right now, guys, which has a lot of thematic similarities to Butterfly, which we're, mm-hmm. of course, covering today. Quick asterisk, though, if you haven't listened to or seen Dear Evan Hansen, if you like this show, you'll definitely like that show. Go listen to all of the soundtrack. Go listen Beautiful. to all the soundtrack. It's on Spotify. Yes, right. but we're here to talk about the final episode of Butterfly, which originally aired in the UK, is now airing on Hulu just recently for us Americans. If you haven't seen either the show or our after show coverage, hit pause, go watch the show first, because nothing we talk about will make sense if you haven't seen it, and go watch our first two episodes of after show coverage, because we're just covering episode three today. I will be one of those panelists. My name is Jeff Graham, and I'm joined by a couple of very beautiful and intelligent co-hosts. Hey, y'all. I'm Megan Lynn. How sweet. Thank you. I'm Sarah Mendoza. (laughs) Of course. It's been fun, guys. This two hours that we just met a minute ago, now we're crushing it here in studio. (laughs) It's been a fun journey, and I hope you guys have enjoyed the journey with us. The most important journey we're talking about today, though, is Maxine's journey. We will not only be covering the end of the show, but also going over a couple of interesting production notes that you might not have known discussing maybe a potential season two this is a mini series but i think we're all pining to see more of maxine and her family and finally we will be featuring a notable transgender personality so you can stay tuned for that okay guys it's the end of the road what were our overall thoughts on episode three sarah starting with you I think that they tied it up very nicely and left us wanting to see more about Mm -hmm. this family agreed yeah, I was really shocked that Stephen called the police on his wife. That was really disappointing to me. I also really like Gemma's role in this episode and seeing her develop. I agree. I I was a little wary about the show taking like the courtroom drama approach to this. I was like, hmm, is this like too genre for a show that's been so intimate? Is this too like television? But I think they played it really well and Again, the instincts to lean into the family dynamics, even amidst some legal trouble, was really smart for Tony Merchant to write it that way. So I enjoyed this episode a lot, and I think it all came together really nicely and made for a great three hours of television. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Boston first. As we mentioned, the big cliffhanger of last episode, Vicky takes the investment money, gets on a plane with her daughter, and flies to Boston. Who would have thought that Boston would be a destination for progressive that's that's when you know ireland has some work is when boston massachusetts is where you go get help for gender issues yeah Yeah, i think of american history when i think of boston i don't see the forefront of the progressive movement there but it was really cool a doctor we met there was very interesting dude he was an interesting dude very eccentric and i was wondering if mom was thinking is this guy for real (laughs) i know he gave me a little bit of a weird heebie-jeebies vibe and it's so funny because this show has nailed everything it's gotten everything perfect but i was like 
I almost feel like they could have used like an American culture consultant for this scene because this doctor, he seemed ominous to me. He was like, I'm not a gender doctor. I'm a cool doctor. I, exactly. <laughs> he was trying too hard, I think, maybe. Yeah. It was what it was to be to make her comfortable. It <laughs> might just, to the point where it was actually off-putting. Yeah, like, <laughs> it might just be that that's how British people think Americans are. Hey, welcome to our hospital. We'll fix you. Um, but it ended up being a great trip. They ended up consulting with Maxine, really getting into the meat of what's going on, and prepping her doing some tests and deciding that they could give her the green light for hormone blockers. Yeah. So this was exciting. Um, how did you guys sort of feel about the way this scene, all the Boston stuff was handled before flying back to Ireland? I think it was um, a moment of pure joy, right? Yes. For Maxine. It mm-hmm. was like the ultimate dream was happening for her finally. This is what she had been agonizing about, and it was like a tangible first step yes. in the right direction for her. Mm-hmm. So um, although it turned chaotic again very quickly once they landed back in the UK, it was nice to see that hope, mm. right, for Maxine. And also validated, validating that she's one million percent sure. Yes. Right, about this decision. And... Although, you know, she's, yes, going through extreme lengths, I can appreciate Vicky for how much she's willing to do for her daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mama Bear came through. I was really <laughs> happy about that. And she was so insistent, I'll pay, I'll pay. I know it's expensive, I'll pay. Mm-hmm. Right. Money was not an issue in that case. She just wanted to help. Of course. And it's that thing, again, the show so smartly positioned all of this in the context of life and death because... However you feel about trans issues or whatever, and of course, this is a supportive family, but it was all or nothing in this case. Of course, she's going to support anything that'll keep her daughter alive. So this was really well handled. It was also interesting to kind of look back on the last episode and further into this episode, how Stephen likened this to leukemia, likened it to a disease. Mm. That was really interesting. And it was important for the show to address because I think still so many people do associate gender dysmorphia with a um, psychological issue or Or an illness illness is what I was looking for. And the show kind of hit that head on and, but in an empathetic way Mm -hmm. because Steven is a concerned dad. Mm -hmm. So it was really well handled. Okay. So they get back on the plane. America's great. They land and things aren't so good (laughs) right away. Handcuffs, cop cars, Woo, the show took a turn here, and Steven, I was surprised. why you got to do us like that? Do it you guys, surprised me. It was very surprising. I did not think he was going to go there, but it kind of shift, It shifted then in dir- the direction of, I more so saw it as an ego thing, mm. right? Wanting the control. I At that point, it wasn't about his daughter in my perspective. It was... I've got to get control back from Vicky because yes. I'll be damned if Vicky's making decisions without me. Well said. And also, why are you not with me, Vicky? Like, it's just like mm-hmm. this underlying, mm-hmm. like, he wants them to be together, but why is she making all the decisions? She can't do that without right. me. And that's what I saw he was acting from mm-hmm. rather than I need to help my child. Yeah, I thought one of the most interesting parts about this was that Lily actually sided with Steven and not with Vicky Mm -hmm. because she's been so supportive of Maxine and been behind her mom to help her. But I kind of got that, you know, she feels a little left out now and that she needs to act out in order to get her parents' attention. So it was interesting to kind of see that switch in her. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. We're going to talk all about sort of the new family structure in just a minute. I want to hop back really quickly, Sarah. You mentioned that it's kind of an ego thing for Steven, and it's a loss of control thing. And one of the most the moments that I most appreciated in this episode was that Gemma was actually the one to shed light mm. on all these issues. And she's talking to Steven, and she's like, it's clear to me that you're still in love with your wife. And all of these issues are not stemming from your interest in preserving your daughter, but preserving your marriage. Mm -hmm. And people talk about the fact that good parenting can only come when parents are on a united front. And as much as you love your kids, you really have to love your spouse more in some cases or differently. And you can never, there's no love that, there's no love like the love a mother and father have for their child. But I think importantly, there's no love that can also compare with the truly unified front in a marriage. I think the show was really interested in exploring those dynamics and what happens when there isn't a unified front of love and mutual respect, admiration, and parental alignment. It's really interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. Especially since that's what your children are going to be modeling what a marriage should look like, mm -hmm. right, in, in the future, if, if they decide to be married, right? Right. Um, having that foundation is that much more important, and especially when the going gets tough. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Lily, and we're going to get into all the new family structure that this moment leads to. But before we do that... We have an announcement for you guys. Yes, y'all. Thank you so much for helping make us the ESPN of TV Talk. We love having these hard but important conversations with mm. you all. And we hope that you'll continue to support us in growing. And how can you do that? Well, if you're on YouTube right now, go ahead and like us. Leave us a comment. Give us a thumbs up. If you're on iTunes, give us those five stars. Let us know what you're thinking about the show. You can also participate in the live chat if you're on YouTube Live right now. And let us know what questions you have, what you want us to talk about, what you think is interesting or important to talk about about the show. No matter where you are, you can always get involved. And please do. We love hearing from you guys. After Buzz has meant so much to all of us. And we're so excited that we're able to have these conversations with you all. Absolutely. A show like this is the kind of show that really leads to good discussion. And that's what we do here on the network, guys. We dive into tough issues. Of course, we also dive into like reality drama and shade throwing. It just depends on what kind of content you're looking for. That's the beauty is we truly cover everything. But if you're interested in some of these more serious, heady shows, I know we're covering Informer right now, which is another British show. The Brits are just so smart. You yeah. know, we've got Bad Girls Club. They've got Butterfly. But, you know, we do what we can. <laughs> But I would recommend that show. We have great after show coverage for that. That's a show about um, a young Muslim immigrant who's asked to sort of become an informer for the police as a narc, like a liaison narc for his own community, which mm -hmm. I think is like a really provocative premise mm -hmm. for a show. So yeah, if you're interested in those tough discussions, check out that show on Amazon. And Definitely our after pushing show. the envelope in Europe. <laughs> yeah, they sure are. Um, America has good television shows too. We've got plenty yeah. of good TV. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and talk about this new family structure. The moment that Vicky finds out her husband put out a neglect and what's abduction case against her, SHIT hits the fan. How would you guys react if you were Vicky? That's what I was thinking about. I would just want to hold on to my daughter as much as possible. I think the most terrifying part of all of that is having your child ripped away from you and mm -hmm. taken out of your reach. And watching your daughter, right, witness this. Because that's like witnessing the a, a betrayal yes. from one parent to the other. Um, and I can't remember, was Lily there too? 
Lily, I think, supported the decision. Oh, you mean when but the arrest it, happened? The, when the arrest happened, or was she? I don't not think there? she was in the airport, oh, okay. but I think she saw it all when they got home and they sure. got out of the separate cars. Yeah, but I mean, what kind of um, impression are you leaving on your kids as far as that unified, you know, right. parent that you should be? So it's, I mean, it's hard. It's I really think, hard as a child to see that kind of thing. I think Stephen was acting selfishly here. I, I understand on one level he was feeling this loss of control. And he, he's genuinely worried about Maxine because he doesn't support hormone therapy. He doesn't support puberty blockers. He really is still not supportive of, his trans, of her transition. So I think it was, you know, a last-ditch last effort to what he thinks is rescue his daughter. But what he didn't realize selfishly was that in doing this, he's actually putting his daughter's well-being in jeopardy. Because he might have to suspend custody. I wanted to ask your opinions on that. Mm -hmm. Do we think that he didn't support the blockers because overall he was struggling with the decision? Um, Or I was starting to think of it from the perspective, too, of is he afraid of what health repercussions this might lead to? I really do think he wants Maxine to be happy. I think it's more so he's scared of the risks. And even though the whole point of hormone blockers is to stop the process, put it on pause, and give them time to figure things out, he doesn't even want to take that next step forward. I think he's just really frozen and scared. I get that. I mean, I feel like as a parent, your job is to make sure that your child develops in a healthy and quote-unquote natural way. So I might feel hesitant to put my child on a medicine that sort of fights against the circle of life, you know, especially if you look at when you're raising a baby, your job truly is not only to love the baby, but just to keep that thing alive. Like that's (laughs) when you, from the ages of zero months to one year, you're just like, keep this thing alive. That's really your job. (laughs) And I think those instincts carry through and the idea of introducing an outside mechanism that affects the natural progression of your child i would be scared of that as a dad Mm, sure so i'm that's what i'm guessing and it also keeps the door open for a transition which we know he's against Mm. so this decision leads to some real shakeups in the family structure lily goes to leave with barbara vicky kicks out steven he goes to live with peter so it's really just vicky and maxine trying to figure this out let's start by talking about lily Really interesting for the show to explore this subplot. Mm -hmm. We mentioned her boo in the last episode. She starts to get a boyfriend. And I think the show was intentionally vague about this. But it sounds like Lily had what could be described as a sexually traumatic experience or at least a sexually uncomfortable experience with her new boyfriend, which happens in adolescence. I don't know exactly where the show wanted us to land on how severe the repercussions were with whatever happened. But I think what the show wanted us to recognize was that her parents weren't there for her in that because all of the attention was being focused on Maxine. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think Lily was justified in her frustration here? Oh, absolutely. I feel like she is being put in the middle of this whole entire situation and expected to be mature, to be almost a third adult in the situation. Mm -hmm. And she has her own life to figure out. It's hard growing up to begin with, regardless of what identity issues you might have. It's hard for her to come into her own when all of her focus is on Maxine. So I get her wanting to act out and to explore her own options in life, just even to get attention. I'm not even sure if it was about the guy to begin with. Yeah. I completely empathize with her reaction because she it's she's been so selfless right in a way with focusing on Maxine and being her champion at school and at home 
and all the attention, including from her, has been on her sister. And as a developing young woman herself, you know, over time, that can get exhausting to not have the same support for yourself or perceived support for yourself. Mm. Um, So, but also the parents are faced with such a big challenge with Maxine that I can see how they forgot to focus on her, at least for the moment, right? Not saying it's right, Mm -hmm. but boy, is it human when this is happening to your other daughter that you would forget about your seemingly perfect and okay other daughter, Lily. And the truth is, as much as Maxine needs help, an adolescent girl, they definitely need help. (laughs) Yeah. I grew up with two older sisters, so I... And an adolescent, anyone, right? I don't want to make this too gendered, but I don't think... I don't think many women would say the easiest time of their life was being 14 years old as a girl in high school. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. So, yeah. <laughs> no. so I understand why she's upset. Speaking yeah. of hormones is and- what we can do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they do make it vague, don't they? Because she says something like, all I wanted to do was cuddle when she mm-hmm. reveals it to her mom. So we know something happened that she didn't like or she regrets we don't know the gravity of that or, you know, what exactly it was. Mm-hmm. But the point was, like you said, they weren't there to maybe help her decide beforehand or be aware of these things before something would happen like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear in the comments how you guys felt like Lily's subplot was handled, because I could see maybe a critic of this show saying it wasn't as deeply as explored as it could have been. Personally, I thought it was really well handled because this show really is about Maxine. I felt like this was a moment to show that um, the trauma of the challenges around trans issues can mean neglecting your other children, and that's just a part of life. Mm -hmm. So this was interestingly handled, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. So because of the decision to implicate Vicky as a neglectful mother a caseworker has to come in, which I feel like Stephen didn't necessarily want. I mm-hmm. feel like he didn't want to deal with all the consequences of what happened because now this SHIT storm of drama enters and both it inherently pits Stephen and Vicky against each other. Some of this stuff was tough for me, like watching them be interviewed and saying bad things about each other. Yeah. How did you feel about the way this was handled, Sarah? I think they were both defenses up mm-hmm. at this point, right? Because... I mean, come on, you're arrested (laughs) at the airport. That is not, it's not easy to come back from that, right? And and reunify. So at this point, I think they're just both, you know, trying to win. Yes. In their own ego-centered thinking at this point. And it's almost a distraction from what they really need to do Mm. to help their daughter. Until they realize that, right? Right. But at first, they're caught up in their own human emotions about the situation. Yeah, there's no winners here unless they form a united front like we were talking about earlier. I don't think either of them want Maxine taken away, especially Stephen. When he originally called the police, I don't think that that was his intent at all to have a social worker come in and mess up everything like we were talking about. But I think they really need to get it together and stop bad-mouthing each other because it's not helping their situation at all. Mm, well said. Yeah, I uh, this was interesting. And I liked that the show... The thing I've liked about this show is the institutions that are supposed to protect and accommodate trans issues haven't been universally positive. Mermaids was a great support group for Stephen and 
Vicky, but I don't think Fairy Bank always got it right. And I don't think in this case, the government, the social worker was getting everything right. I think just like every other character, this social worker was flawed. And even if she had the best intentions for this family in mind, I think the show's point of view is that this wasn't necessarily the best way to handle issues internally like this. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. The moment I thought was one of the most kind of shock moments of the episode was when Vicky outed Steven as having physically abused Max Mm. in the past. And Max hears it and Mm -hmm. is like, why did you share that secret? Right. How did we react to that scene? Yeah, I mean, that's not what Maxine wanted, but I also don't think that's helping her cause again. Like I said before, she just wants her daughter to be able to be who she wants to be and to have her family be okay. And they're they're just not helping the situation. It's frustrating. Yeah. Like, their final, their aha moment of, you know, we both could lose her, right? Mm -hmm. Is the game changer there. Because first they're thinking... I'm going to, you know, I'm going to win. I'm going to get her. or I'm going to help her the way that I think should be the way that I should help her. But in realizing that in creating and throwing out all the dirt, airing out all the dirty laundry in that way could result in neither of them being able to live, experience the journey of life with their child is like, okay, we really need to, we really need to shape up now. Yeah, that was the final straw, the realization of we might lose Maxine forever, both of us. Mm -hmm. And this show was so smartly written because all these conflicts come to a head when they learn not only might they lose Maxine if they can't fix this, but Fairy Bank won't approve of hormone blockers unless the parents can agree. So it really forces the parents to think, who are we in this for? What are we doing here? Mm. Is this about our own opinions? Is this about our own ego? Or is this about the health and well-being of our child? And when Fairy Bank says, I'm sorry, I have this a little mixed up. The social worker is saying the only way you can really keep your daughter and the only way we can green light. It's really two things. The social worker is saying the only way we can let you keep your daughter is if you guys can come to United Front. And Fairy Bank is saying the only way we can approve hormone blockers is if you two come to United Front. The writing and the way this beautifully structured narrative is resolving everything is saying truly the only way any of us can move forward is for you guys to look out for the health and well-being of Maxine. Mm. Such good writing. The only way we can move forward as a society is to look out for each other. Right. Yeah. None of us can do it alone. Absolutely. And I think these kinds of moments are the reason this show is so elegantly written is because it forces anyone on any side of the political spectrum or whatever to put themselves in the position of a parent, Mm. which (laughs) there's no politics in parenting. There's no clear moral center in parenting. I think most of us could agree that parenting is the hardest job you'll ever have. And there's no right or wrong. There's just... What's ahead of you? How can we solve this? And so to position all of these complicated political issues in light of looking out for a child is such a smart way to open up a discussion. It takes a village. It takes a village. So with that decision made, we start to see things kind of get wrapped up. Most interestingly, Barbara and Vicky need to sort of have a discussion and figure out how to work through this. So there's two things that Barbara's upset about. One, the fact that her investment money went to a trip to Boston. And two, just all of the unkind things that were said between mother and daughter. How did, Sarah, you feel about the Barbara and Vicky resolution scene? I think that the mother's first reaction 
is normal, right? Your daughter said she was using it for one thing. Mm -hmm. She went behind your back and did it, did another thing. Yeah. And this is probably a common theme, you know, just judging from their their type of relationship. They probably had to go through this millions of times. So it's like, again, perhaps. Uh, But I think that I was surprised and delighted that we saw Barbara's heart in the situation because she realized that the love for her granddaughter that her her daughter has, so that Vicky has for Maxine, right. is not something she's ever expressed or been bold about in her own relationship with her daughter. Well said, yeah. Yeah, I think they needed that climatic moment of her taking her daughter all the way to the United States and back for Barbara to finally realize how important this is to her. And I think... Through that, they were able to come to a resolution, even though I would call it a half-assed apology. <laughs> I think it's I think it's the sweetest you're going to get out of Barbara for now. Right. I think it was realistic. Yeah. It was true to family dynamics and ego. very ego mm-hmm. and just humanity in general. Mm-hmm. The thing I liked about this, though, was that Barbara vouched for Vicky in these caseworkers. Mm-hmm. I think that was a really nice way to emotionally and practically tie together story, family, and theme in, like, this really beautiful moment. Mm -hmm. Lily and Vicky also make up. We have to deal with Lily's emotions, and this was a great scene, too. You know, it's important to see, just like mother and daughter up here in this generation are making up, we have mother and daughter with Lily and Vicky making up, too. Nice parallel moments there. Mm -hmm. And most interestingly... Gemma and Vicky have an interaction. Yeah. This was the moment where I was like, Gemma might be the most subversive character on this show. Because to have her help with the family and speak to Maxine's true beauty was really nice for me. Megan, how did you react to this scene? Yeah, I thought it was really wonderful. And I think back to what we were talking about earlier on the previous episode, um, Vicky being more empathetic to Maxine wanting to become a girl because she's been a little girl. I think it's the same thing with Gemma. At the end of the day, I think there is kind of women can be very competitive, but there is this innate need to like be empathetic and you want to support other women. And Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, Gemma is an empathetic person and she'd much rather Stephen be with his family if that's what's going to be best for his family and for Maxine. And she's not out to hurt anyone. Absolutely. I think for me, it reminded me that everyone is just doing their best Mm. in life. It's not always going to be the ideal story with roses, right? And perfect story. And, you know, everybody ends up with, you know, and nobody's fighting in the family and whatever. But for here, you you clearly see that everybody's just coming from their own journey, doing their best. Nobody really intended any harm in this situation. Right. And it's just about learning and growing through the process. Mm-hmm. So at Fairy Bank, in this kind of important meeting... Really, Maxine finally gets the chance to speak for herself. And this was such great writing. And almost those moments where you're like, I'm not surprised Tony Merchant was a playwright. Because yeah. couldn't you see this on stage, this yeah, domestic absolutely. family drama and being in this therapy meeting? And everyone has their opinions on Maxine. But finally, all of the adults realize this isn't about us. This is about her. What do you think? And she gives this beautiful monologue as to why it's time for her to at least get on puberty blockers. Such a great scene. Mm -hmm. I loved when she said, my mom and dad aren't at war anymore, but my body and brain still Mm. are. Mm. Yeah. Such good writing. Yeah. 
preach girl. Yeah. (laughs) And when there was finally that sweet moment of all of the family being playful and cuddly on the couch and Steven said, only girls hug you like this, only daughters. It was that final moment of acceptance and it just filled my heart with joy. Filled my heart with joy, filled my eyes with tears. I don't know about you guys, but it was a little emotional (laughs) watching that. Um, So things, at least for now, are good. They go to Boston and they start therapy. They start hormone therapy and... And that's how it ends. That's how it yeah. ends. Another great line in there. I think it was actually the last line we get from Maxine. The doctor asked, does it hurt? And she says, I'll get used to it. Right. And I feel like that was very foreshadowing of there's going to be a lot of hurt and pain and tribulations and challenges in her life, but she's ready to face it. Amen. This is definitely one of those, the end is really just the beginning Yes. type of journeys. Yeah. That's well said. And I think this show had a very specific goal. What is the one-month window of a child beginning their transition? The, the show is so smart. I think with TV, the more specific you can get, the more universal your themes can be. Because I think when a TV show tries to tackle everything, you're not giving anything the due that it deserves. Mm. Whereas when you really hone in and get on this micro level, it's the effect is so much greater. And that's what this show was doing. It was specific and in that way, so true, I think, to life. Yeah, it felt very cinematic, too, in that not everything was tied up with a neat bow. It's mm. not like a TV sitcom or TV drama typically is when you get, like, the high school graduation, and that's how you know right. it's over. The college graduation, or As these two people get married. <laughs> yeah. We remember. Yes, yes. We get it, Jeff. Thank you. We do remember. Um, but no, I think it leaves with some loose ends, but it's ones we can accept, and it leaves you with that warm feeling at the end that yeah. everything is going to be okay, even though we don't know how everything's going to end up, and that's how life is. Yes. And I feel like that's often how films end, kind mm-hmm. of on that note of not knowing everything, but that's okay. Knowing enough. And, yes. And so for me, considering this kind of like a short movie, or I guess a very long three-part movie, mm-hmm. it worked. Yeah. I felt it was inspiring, too, that this is the start of a conversation that the society should be having. For many people, this is what they've lived for years or that they had lived. But for others, this is the first time they're having and seeing this kind of conversation. And it needs to happen more often. Because how else are we going to know how to put the important processes in place through social work, through government, through you know, the fairy bank through without, without knowing more right. about what this part of our environment and our society is. Well said. Mm-hmm. I want to have the discussion as to whether or not we want a second season because this is a mini series. It is a nice ending, but there are some open doors. But I want to save that discussion for the very end of the show. Before we do that, I have a couple production notes. We've been talking about some interesting tidbits. So I want to talk a little bit about more about Emma Scanlon and Anna Friel, who plays Vicky, Stephen and Vicky, respectively. Uh, Merchant noted that a common theme among families... Sorry, I actually don't want to talk about Emmett. We covered that already. I'm going to move on to something Tony Merchant said about the mermaids. This is very interesting. Steve, uh, Tony Merchant noted that a common theme among mermaid families, which is families that are attending the charity support group we've been discussing at length during these after shows, was the presence of transgender children's mothers and the absence of their fathers. So it seems like we had the discussion, is this sort of a gendered thing? And that might be the case where right now moms are more willingly ready to jump on board with the truth of transgender issues than fathers are. Mm -hmm. So that'll be interesting. You know, we talk a lot about what toxic masculinity is in today's society. And I think that could be a product of the type of performative masculinity society asks men and fathers to perform. 
just thought that was a really interesting tidbit, and the show touched on that really well. Vicky's attitudes were written in the show to be representative of her generation, and Stephen's doubts were written as reasonable so that people could relate to them. I think that's super true. I noticed throughout the show that any even tough decision that Stephen made was easy to justify because it was based in love. It's really good writing. Mm -hmm. Finally, in preparation for filming, both Scanlan and Frail visited families who were supported by mermaids. And during filming, Frail listened to synth pop and wore a specific perfume to get in the mindset of her character. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I like that. Speaking of synth pop, this show was scored. Do you notice it had a very um, consistent score throughout? Mm -hmm. Do you guys know who wrote the score or have any ideas? Tell us. So it was Michael Stein and Kyle Dixon. They also scored a very popular Netflix show. That uses sort of a synth pop score. Any ideas? Is it Stranger Things? Yes. Oh Wait, I was going to guess God. that. That was on the tip of my yeah. tongue. So That's for those crazy. of you listening, hopefully you jumped in as well. This was the same guys who scored Stranger Things. They That's got them for choice, this project. Because so. it's a similar age range, too, of yeah. the kids. Yeah, I like definitely. That. And now that I think about it, it does kind of connote that youth. You know, it gives it a young, kind of fresh feeling. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. It reminded me of like 80s like pretty in pink score mm-hmm. in some places. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a little tidbit that the same score of Stranger Things is the same guys who did this show. Very nice. interesting. Nice. And now we're going to feature another very popular trans YouTube personality, um, Alex, and Marissa, I'm forgetting his last name. It should be in his YouTube handle if you could let us know real quick. But I'm just, he's a British female to male tr- um, trans activist. And that's why he thought I thought he'd be a great choice because he's not only British, but he's... Um, it is Alex Birdie. Bur- that's right. Alex Birdie. Um, British, female to male. And um, yeah, we're going to take a look right now. Mother's Day today, I want to discuss how I got my dad to accept or at least understand my transition. To begin this story, we have to backtrack to when I first came out to him. I was probably 16 years old. I just started college and I wrote him a letter explaining everything. I'm going to read for you the first paragraph of that letter. The whole thing is actually contained in my book. I'll put the link to that in the description. Dad, last Christmas I wrote mum a letter and I know you read it too, but we never spoke about it and since then that's all I've wanted. I just want to be honest and I really need your support because, well, you're my dad. I guess I'm just scared. Scared of talking to you, scared of what you'll think of me, just scared of everything. Basically, the letter was very emotional. It explained how I felt without using the term transgender because I didn't want to scare him. So yeah, I wrote that letter and I slid it under his keyboard and then about halfway through the day, I texted him to say where it was and I really needed him to read it. And I think all he texted back was something like, oh, we'll talk about it later or something like that. (laughs) I don't think we ended up speaking about it for weeks. And when we eventually did, the response was not perfect. It was kind of a very stereotypical dad-like response. Hmm. He was kind of saying that that's how I was born and that I couldn't change that. That's how he'd always see me. I remember us clashing literally on everything. Like my name, he didn't want any part of me choosing it. He said it was down to me and that when I was 18, I could do it myself and that, you know, he wouldn't help me sign any of the forms to get it done before then. I'm not going to delve too far into it because you can read it in the book and, you know, it's online in certain places. But you know what? I get it. I think he was just very scared and he didn't really understand what transitioning was. He didn't understand why I felt the need to change my body physically. But for me, it was a really difficult time because knowing him as a person, I was 100% convinced he was never going to get it and that he'd never use the right name. That's good for now, I think. What I think is really interesting about this video is not only did we find a British kid, but 
it really kind of parallels the show. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it'd be interesting to find a clip specifically about the experience of trans youth coming out to their father because mm-hmm. I think that was a hugely important uh, through line of the show. So mm-hmm. that's Alex Birdie, another um, social media influencer, very popular YouTube channel. I think 500,000 subscribers on there. Yeah. And it sounds his book sounds very interesting. So check him out. Cool. Uh, normally we make predictions. But what I want to do now, I mentioned it and forgot to throw back to it. Do you guys want to see a season two of Butterfly? I would love to see a season two. Mm-hmm. It will be interesting to see the next stage of Maxine's journey. Now that physically she's going to be more resembling what she already feels she is. I feel like it could definitely be worthwhile. I would just really want them to take their time with it because mm-hmm. the writing is so good and it's so poignant the way they tell the story. And I want to see that continue. I'd be fine if they did it in the same format, like another three long-form episodes like this. Yeah, that's a very common British approach. Um, And actually, they will do this. British TV is so different from American television. First of all, they call them series and not seasons. And it's not uncommon for a British show to put out six episodes, wait, excuse me, wait three years, and then put out three more. So I... Who knows? Maybe we'll see another series of this. But there's also part of me that thinks this was such a beautifully told story and handled so well. It could almost exist as its own thing. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I think if it's done well, I could appreciate a second season, but I already know they did this well. So if they do greenlight a second season, I hope they take it seriously. Yeah. But I love that it's going to be on Hulu. Yes. And that it's going to hopefully continue to be on more platforms because it's definitely something that should be seen. Mm -hmm. Do you guys think this is the kind of thing that will resonate with American audiences? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think even though, like we said before, Ireland is a Ireland is a very um, conservative country. There are and a lot Ireland, of Ireland, so you weren't wrong. The <laughs> yeah. Island of Ireland. Um, yeah, uh, there are a lot of conservative hotspots in America, and there are a lot of people who just don't have the proximity to the trans community to understand it. And I think this could be a really helpful way for them to be more informed. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is the kind of show that might convince conservative people to open up their mind to the idea of transgender? One would hope. Yeah. Right. But there's there's always going to be people on the opposing side. Mm -hmm. There is a trans couple that's very popular on YouTube. I think it's called Fox and Owl. Mm. And they were talking about there's this forum called Mumster. Interesting. Where it's concerned moms. In America. I I, I think they're in America. I'm not sure. They might be. They might be in the UK, actually. But but they're expressing their concern. And so it's like you would hope, but there's always going to be the people that when something is foreign to them, when they don't they haven't educated themselves and it's something that maybe they're afraid of because of that that they're they're not going to be open. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. The show just came out on Hulu, so I bet a lot of you guys are just seeing it, but please let us know what you think. Of course, we have a comment section down below, and you guys can catch us on Twitter. I would love to hear your thoughts on Butterfly, guys. And if you want to reach me on Twitter, you can do that at Jeffrey C. Graham. Yes, and y'all can find me at Megan Lynn TV on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me on Instagram at Mendoza Creative. And this is, for now, the end of our coverage of Butterfly. If there is a season two, I'd love to do cover this again with you guys. I had so much fun with you all, first of all, by the way. It was a blast. Yeah, this is really thank fun. you. And if this is your first time tuning into AfterBuzz, guys, Megan mentioned already, but we truly cover everything. If you're looking for something lighter, we cover comedies. If you're looking for something more genre, we have a sci-fi channel. So you probably like TV as much as us. Check out our other content, and we keep you guys tuned into everything going on TV all the time. For now, that's our coverage of Butterfly, but hopefully we will see you guys again. And if not, thanks very much. Bye.
Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.